You are listening to the Archaeology Podcast Network. Next up, we've got uh, aging mandibular bison teeth with ArcGIS, Andrew Owens. This is uh, just a pre preface or whatever, a uh, caveat. This is going to be a different format. It's a video format. I'm trying to come up with a method. My, my project is basically a duh. It's, it's just kind of an obvious sort of thing. It's, I would like to make it be a big deal, but it's really just a duh. I just want to be able to present that duh in a way that's more entertaining, you know, a little li lighter hearted, uh, bring academia to, you know, with, with, with the APN, where you can like actually bring bigger concepts in a simple format and, and keep it light. Uh, this is Utah State University. It's where I'm currently uh, at school working on a, just a master's degree. <laughs> That's what they say anyway. Um, uh, great school. Anyway, so my mapping bison clues aware with ArcGIS. It's as simple as it sounds. Uh, we're just trying to quantify clues aware. So essentially, bison teeth uh, or any teeth can tell us the season uh, a, spe uh, a specimen died and potentially uh, some implications regarding attritional or hunting behavior. You know? um, we're, we're, we're trying to shoot for a simple, time-effective, non-destructive, replicable, and st statistically verifiable procedure that actually maps occlusal wear. And, and you get these very nice figures that are more, more accurate than our current figures. Um, and all you need is a scaled photo station. Sorry about these words, they're hard to see. Um, you need Esri and you need some mandibular teeth. It's basically photogrammetry, and when we talk about photogrammetry, I simply mean measuring things with photos. Nothing fancy, just measuring things with photos. Um, but hopefully we take the plan views from these photos, and then uh, we compare them with known age assemblages, and we geo-reference and map these things in uh, ArcGIS, and we should be able to get age data based on occlusal surface uh, areas and, and changes, basically. Um, so, so to run it down, Basically, we get our specimen's age at death from these teeth. We get a season of death, an approximate season of death, which part of this project we're trying to narrow. Um, and you can look at herd structure and health, and uh, you can also really get at more, more important questions for an anthropologist is behavior. Um, currently, uh, occlusal wear is not quantified. Um, we need more known age assemblages. Uh, our seasonality is still kind of you know, not as tight as I think it could be, and we'll get to specimen destruction. Traditional methods often are destructive. Uh, currently, we're basically just going to try and quantify clues aware by age with ArcGIS. Hopefully, we'll increase uh, accuracy of aging. We're not going to cut open any more fossil specimens, and uh, hopefully, it's a new method that people find pretty cheap, simple, and uh, we're going to. Uh, uh, let's see, we're going to take our data set from UR, I'd really like to say thanks to UR, and also I'm still collecting specimens. We're going to map the surface wear. We're going to compare this with our, our previous estimates from people like Rare, Raps, and Todd, Frizen, et cetera, et cetera. And then uh, we're going to see how accurate these things are with statistics, and then hopefully we can start hitting up some... I I've collected all the data for all these guys, so hopefully we can uh, re-age some assemblages. Calving is obviously critical. This is this is again an overview for the internet too, just to kind of, but uh, so if we assume they calve in May and June, then we can say a year and a half year old specimen is uh, probably an early fall or early winter kill or death. Um, 
And seasonality, I mean, how critical is that to understanding site formation and human behavior uh, when people were there and potentially why? Um, so if we can use this to narrow down our gap, we might be able to get some pretty nice estimates. Um, uh, thinking about mortality profiles, you know, uh, basically, you know, if we were to kill an entire herd, uh, like at head smashed in or here at Vore, we might see a catastrophic assemblage, uh, which is just a snapshot of a moment in time of a, herd, a typical herd structure. Um, also, animals just die uh, when, you, when you talk about attritional assemblages. Also, this could be hunting behavior, but usually attritional assemblages are basically, you know, your young are dying and your old and frail are dying, your, your weaker um, uh, individuals. And then when we talk about prime age assemblages, we're talking about going after the big fellas or the big ladies, you know, like, you know, most bang for your buck kind of returns. Um, each of these profiles has a shape. Um, so if we look at juvenile, mature, and old, basically. Um, catastrophic assemblage should be, you know, you're, you're, you, have, you have a predominance of young individuals and a uh, lower number of older individuals as they die. And so this is your typical catastrophic profile. Someone still has some video editing to do. <laughs> Could be much shorter. Anyway, a attritional profile has a shape as well. It's basically a, uh, uh, they call it a U-shape. It's basically bimodal, um, where you're having your younger individuals and your older individuals uh, more predominant in the assemblage as they die through natural causes and weakness, frailty. It also could be additional selection, scavenging, things like that. Um, and when we get to our primate shape, our primate shape almost, it just basically looks like a, a, an average curve here uh, where you've, you're going after these mature specimens, most bang for your buck basically, uh, tasty bits, I refer to them as. Uh, it could be selection, could be costly signaling. <laughs> we won't get into that, but uh, welcome to the USU Bone Lab. This is where we do a lot of our work. Uh, traditionally, teeth are uh, aged using several indices. Uh, for instance, they're, they're typically length and width indices, you know, uh, metaconid, anaconid, ectostylid, things like that. But basically, how the tooth comes out of the mandible and wears down. So it's growth and attrition, basically. Um, And it's a lot of lengths and widths. Uh, the big problem with this is that, um, well, here, here you can see these clearly. Uh, and, and these are effective methods. They're, they're great. They, they have allowed us to do what we do with bison teeth, but, uh, or with any teeth. But uh, the problem with this method is that um, it, uh, the surface wear has never been quantified. You know, this is mill iron. I use mill iron a lot. It's a pretty seminal work. Um, but you have these age estimations based on various patterns, and you can get it pretty close, but when you start looking at lots of teeth, there's lots of variation, you know, and so you kind of got to guess at, at a degree. Here you see that these teeth remain in the crypt, and they'll remain in the crypt over three years. A bison actually doesn't calve, in, it's not in prime calving until six or eight, you know, um, and these things can stick in there until five or six years, so you have to cut the mandibles open to get these measurements, you know. So there's a lot, I mean, if you look at the agate basin assemblage, it, it was pivotal in developing this, but a lot of mandibles got, got the saw. <laughs> it's really cool holding up antiquous mandible too. 
Anyway, I'd like to really thank University of Wyoming. Uh, I went there this last summer and worked with Rachel Shimmick, who isn't here today, but she's uh, the assistant with Jody Clowder at UR. And they basically gave me the keys to their assembly. I mean, if you want to do bison mandibles, you go to UW. They've got a lot. I mean, the Vore assemblage is insane. It's nuts. Um, and then my buddy Ryan Gerstner here also helped. And so basically, we, uh, Dr. Wagas Pack gave us her lab. I mean, she's awesome. UW is great. I, I, I gush. Um, but they gave us the lab. They let us set up. Uh, Jody basically gave us, you know, whatever we needed. Uh, and then teamwork. This is another thing I really want to stress is that as archaeologists, we're only as good as our team. Like, we can sit there and think we're all brilliant all day long. But if you don't have good people with you, you know, you're just fooling yourself. Anyway, I, I'm sorry to digress. Um, so we're trying to do some 3D work because I really want to look at DEMs like make some DEMs on the teeth and look at the 2D method I'm using versus 3D, like what's your accuracy loss? I imagine it's gonna not really be significant, but I wanna check it. Uh, but yeah, this is ongoing. Uh, Maddie Mackey, she also helped us a ton. She's a UW-er and she came in and just, you know, I, I love working with folks like, like these. Um, um, and at the end of the day, we studio quality set up, you know, we're shooting in raw, we're making sure we're capturing good imagery um very you, know, you can zoom in on these teeth and really look at them um and yeah i just want to reiterate that u-dub has a lot of bison animals if anybody's interested in bison teeth um and this assembly line method works great it's kind of it's, it's really a simple process this doesn't cost a lot it's not difficult um and this is just like uh me digressing with video <laughs> when you start video editing you start to get a little too much into the production value and you're like what's your question <laughs> focus on the question but we're gonna get these we're gonna we're gonna I, I, I have a lot of confidence we're, this is still ongoing but I have a feeling the occlusal surface area is gonna be pretty significant um, Dave Schroth so currently meant, like we're collecting more specimens because if I can get as many aged specimens as possible narrow ages we're talking I should be able to get some really accurate seasonality data out of this, you know. Um, but uh, again, my friends, we got Sam and Jonathan. They're they're both uh, my colleagues at USU, and this is how you do archaeology in Wyoming. You know, you get out there in the bone pile and you dig, you cut up stuff. And uh, I suggest anyone who wants bison bones go to Cheyenne, out to Terry Bison Ranch. There's not there's no shortage of bison bones. <laughs> and and uh, Dave Schroth is. Uh, he, he knows his bison, more so than anybody I've ever met. He took us on a safari, actually, and showed us about these, the herd behavior, how these animals behave in ways that like, I never really thought. I always thought about productivity and, and uh, distribution, but I, I realized that they're, they, they're characters, you know, and that really probably significantly affects how they were procured. Um, this poor gal, she died giving birth. She was a real good specimen. She's a $50,000 deal that she died on her third calf. Anyway, I digress. Um, back to the bone lab. We, we're, we're building up this specimen. We're building up this, uh, our known age assemblage with the help of my friends. Um, and uh, it's, zooarchaeology is gross. It stinks. It stinks like teamwork. <laughs> um, okay, moving on. So now let's get to the methods of what I'm actually doing here. Esri. God bless it. <laughs> so basically, it's just we're just using a flat metric landscape. 
uh, pretty simple. And uh, I made a bunch of different polygons. I'm still developing those, but we're going to break it down so that we can lump or split. But we're just going to, you know, get pretty accurate, close the surfaces. Um, basic georeferencing. This isn't my final method, but this is a method I've used, and I want to test its accuracy. I really want this to be cheap and simple. I don't want this to be like a big deal. It should be very easy to do. Um, and basically, what we're doing, yeah, is you just you just digitize surfaces. Um, I really want to look at inner observer error because you know that's critical. Like, are you identifying appropriate surfaces? You know. Or, or, or how can you do that to cover yourself, I guess? Maybe identifying more surfaces or whatever. But yeah, we're just going to look at your typical indexes or indices. And uh, you know, it's, it's really as simple as it sounds. <laughs> I'm surprised no one's done this yet. <laughs> it's, it's totally a duh. <laughs> and hopefully there'll be, I'm really hoping that we'll, we'll get some accurate predictions. And we can, we can add the traditional information as well and help narrow down those predictions and and I want to look at diminution I want to look at sex you know we might be able to these things might have a lot more data than we can imagine buried inside just a just the surface area oh and this is an Esri joke because if you've ever worked with Esri um, yeah, it has its moments <laughs> so I guess it's as straightforward as it sounds. We just want to quantify occlusal wear with ArcGIS. We want to make sure that it's it's predictively accurate. We want to build that accuracy. Um, we want to provide better age estimations. Uh, we don't want to cut any more mandibles open, and we want to use mixed media to enter entertain the public. You know, keep people interested, and we really want to promote bison studies because this is a deeper thing. Like we we don't know what we think we know about bison. That's what I've come to conclude. The research isn't out there. They don't have medicines for these things, you know. Like the bison are this; they're now our national mammal, whatever that means, you know. So hopefully, there's money in this. Um, but anyway, yeah, that's it. And uh, thank you. This has been a presentation of the Archaeology Podcast Network. Visit us on the web for show notes and other podcasts at www.archaeologypodcastnetwork.com. Contact us at chris at archaeologypodcastnetwork.com.